One of the obstacles that every person in this industry faces at some point is how they can contact someone that they have no avenue towards and they want to work with, or they want to get to know, or they want advice from. I'm George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School and host of the No Film School podcast. And today on our episode, my guest today, Hannah Bergholm, who directed the feature film Hatching that debuted at Sundance and is going to be available for on streaming platforms on April 29th. That's coming up real soon. She had a really interesting answer to this question. She just went out and contacted those people. She found their emails on the internet and she got in touch with them and asked them to work with her. And they weren't the kind of people you'd necessarily think of off the top of your head, like, oh, maybe a big star. She found the people who were going to help her create the creature and the effects that were at the center of her horror film. And we get into a lot of details about why she did this and how much they brought to the table and why they wanted to work with her on the smaller movie. And we talk about all other things, you know, feature film debut related because this is her debut and that's exciting and interesting all on its own. But we really highlight what happened with this particular creature, the look, how it contrasted to the rest of the film and why that makes this movie stand out even to audiences not just to the people who she contacted, who she wanted to have work on it, but all of it is very informative and educational, and I hope you enjoy it. Hannah, thank you so much for doing this. I guess I want to start just by, you know, this is a feature debut, and for No Film School, and certainly for our audience, we're always curious to talk about how that opportunity came to exist. How did you create that opportunity for yourself? Well, it was a a long road for me as well, because I have studied in the Finnish film school from 2001. I started there and I graduated 2009. So I was there quite a long time doing some other things in a uh, in the middle of the school and then so from 2009 until 2019 when we filmed Hatching so it was a long time when I was really making several short films and I also wrote and directed a children's drama film for national television and and then I did have many feature films under development something always happened that they didn't get the final financing so it It was a long road, but then when we started to develop this story together with the screenwriter Ilya Rautsi, it also was a long journey, but it seemed like people responded very well for this story. And what also helped us was that we and our producer, we participated in uh, in many forums and workshops. Mm. Uh, For example, we were in Frontiers in Montreal, which is kind of co uh, co production market where you can pitch your film. And we were in European Genre Forum, that is kind of development forum for genre films. And all these workshops and the possibilities to pitch your idea for several financiers and sales agents. So that was really helpful for us to get that going. Right. Was that, was it through those workshops that you secured? financing for the film? It was, yeah, it was really. And our, our biggest financier was the Finnish Film Foundation. But even I think for them, it was kind of good to hear that we are getting interest from here and there all around the world. So so it also helped us to get the financing from 
from Finnish Film Foundation and then to get our sales agent Wild Bunch, Bunch coming on board and our co-producers coming on board. So, so that was really beneficial for us. You basically said there was like a 10-year period. It sounds like the, the feature was like a 10-year period, but also developing the, or, or getting to film school was its own like extended period. Can you talk a little bit about what that process was like? Like getting from from starting to completing and all the things you did along the way? Yeah, well, I did get into the film school quite early on, but then after that, it was a really long process to get the first feature made. And of course, when I think it can happen to many people that you try to develop some film and then in the end you don't get the final financing and you can't get that film made and of course it can be you can feel that oh I can never get my <laughs> films done but right. but uh, yeah so but I would say that you will <laughs> get them done in the end and it was very important to me as well to do these short films my short film called Puppet Master that I did just before hatching so I traveled a lot in around at festivals and uh, so that was very important to me. And also it was important to have this uh, TV series. It's still going on in the in our national television. And, and so it was very important to make them. Your career in virtual production starts here. And now, earn your spot on tomorrow's set with Synapse Virtual Production in LA by enrolling in RIT's immersive 10-day course this June. An exclusive experience in LA You'll get the foundation you need to grow your career in a virtual production studio, the kind behind the groundbreaking effects seen in Disney's The Mandalorian and Marvel's Avenger films. Limited seats are available. Learn more and enroll today at vpritcertified.education. That's vp.ritcertified.education. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, how much did the short film sort of define how you were going to approach the feature? Similar in a lot of ways, did you learn some things? Like what what were some of the things you took away from the short filmmaking experience that helped you with feature filmmaking? That sort of got you got you thinking that way and prepared for that challenge. Uh, well, of course, uh, it's all about when you make short films, it's kind of the same work you are doing except that in feature film you're doing it in larger scale so i think it's always good good to keep on doing things because when you're doing your work you are learning something all the time and for example in the film puppet master that i had so that is a story of a woman who is so lonely that she lets a man to transform her into a puppet in order to be loved and in this scene and scenes of this film, there is the actor, a man, and then there is a puppet who, who is kind of acting with the man. And so also in Hatching, we have a creature that is created as an animatronic puppet. And even though in Hatching, that is not supposed to look like puppet, it is kind of, we made it to look like live. But I kind of already had practice in what it means 
to shoot with the puppet and how technical it is because it's very technical and you should mm-hmm. uh, kind of really prepare all those shots very precisely and so I kind of had understanding what it uh, you knew how to means. pull that that yeah. off and make it a yeah. practical element was it always like I want it to be a practical element that you yes. see that way yeah yeah, it was really, I wanted that the monster that we have in this film, Hatching, that it's not a digital creation. I, yes. I really wanted it to have a physical presence, and that's why I wanted it to be an animatronic puppet. And it's far more disturbing that way. Yeah, it adds something to that. So there's so many themes in this movie beyond it being, you know, disturbing and scary. I, I mean, there are things that jump out to me, and I think to a lot of people that there's something about Motherhood, obviously, there's something about pursuing perfection or being tormented by expectations. What kind of themes did you try to build? You know, it's genre, obviously, but there are layers and depths to it. What were the meanings and and the interpretations that you you were hoping to communicate or the concepts, I guess? Yeah, it was very important for me and also for Ilya Rautsi, the screenwriter, to when we were developing this story, to that the genre and horror is there only to kind of a storytelling way to tell the story. So for us, the dramatic story and the themes always came first. And what we really wanted to tell was this story of a young girl who feels that she's never quite enough for her mother and she really tries her best and tries to please her mother in every way in order to gain love for him from her mother and she never really gets it and i think that is horrifying and that's why this needs to be a horror film yeah. and also uh, uh, it was also important to me to show how this girl kind of loves the creature despite of how disgusting and horrifying yeah. it is but she she kind of treats the creature much better than the mother treats her so she kind of treats the creature as she would like that the mother would treat her and as she would like the mother loves her and so we really wanted to tell this kind of story through the yeah and so i really like and appreciate that you and the writer that the, that the whole team emphasized that sort of meaning and intention yeah not just yeah, we're going to entertain you with with something scary. You know, there's a lot, yeah. you can always do that. But you went after something that was like, that's just a container for yeah. a message about expectations, about love and about motherhood and about this sort of idyllic world they live in. That's so, yeah. you're, the contrast between how you shot their world and their house compared to what this creature looks like. Can you yeah. talk about some of the stylistic choices? Yes, uh, I really wanted to create the world that would give the audience kind of uneasy feeling that mm, since yeah. I wanted to show the world as the girl, the lead girl experiences it. She also experiences that there's something weird about the dynamics of her family and she can't really point out what it is. And I wanted to show the world as the mother's world. So she's kind of an influencer and is uh, showing her lovely decorated home and her lovely family to the whole world. And she maybe is trying to also find love from her anonymous viewers by kind of mm. kind of desperately aiming for perfection herself in so that everything in the design of their house is kind of 
lovely and feminine and the mother doesn't allow any strong emotions so there are no strong colors there are only kind of soft light pastel colors and all even their outfits are matching with decorations and there are no dark shadows because the mother doesn't allow any dark secrets in the family yeah. and i really wanted everything to be kind of so perfect that it's kind of creepy and kind of yes. lifeless and in contrast to that what i really wanted out of this creature it's that it's first of all it's totally deformed so it, it can't be a perfect gymnast which is what the mother wants the daughter to be right. so it's total opposite of the girl and it's just slimy and disgusting and i was just <laughs> <laughs> kind of describing to the concept artist that uh, uh it's like a smelly teenager that is raging to its parents and just still wants to be loved so yeah so and and also it's kind of very thin it's kind of anorectically thin because there is this um yes subtle theme of eating disorder in the film so so all those things i really wanted to come across and also that the darkest shadows are actually where the creature is and when where the girl kind of is with the creature and usually the horror lies in darkness but here i also wanted to show how the creature it's not just a horrifying creature it's also comfort for the girl because i think there is some comfort in facing your own emotions and even it's not, facing your own sorrow yeah and it's not allowed all the thing all the way you just described it so yeah. well it's all these things that are not allowed it's a it's, yeah. she's in a certain kind of prison and the creature represents some kind of freedom from it right because yeah, it's finally exactly. a relief one thing that kept jumping out to me particularly the way the house was was ibsen and the dollhouse i kept thinking about yeah, because yes. and i wanted i was curious how much that play and because hearing you talk about the puppet master story as well it's thinking that thematically there's something there maybe that you're working with or that you're exploring yeah, well, uh, we definitely wanted to, uh, I didn't have any kind of references for other stories or plays or films about, uh, about having it kind of look like a dollhouse. So that's what we kind of really wanted, that there is a hint of uh, dollhouse because in the decoration there is also a a dollhouse there so so yes. all these characters are kind of like dolls in a dollhouse so that's how i want it to look like the mother has this perfect prison she's created for that yes um, yeah exactly and and also the idea of societal expectations and femininity yeah. and all of that it's you know powerful themes and definitely familiar but but i think yeah you you by introducing the creature I've seen also references to like ET. You know, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. familiar yeah. work that's being woven together here, and also that it, it becomes this sort of doppelganger thing. Yeah, was that always part of the plan, or did that sort of come to you at some point in the process, writing, it, working with the writer, or reading it? Was that yeah. was that always in the script? Uh, well, that actually was. That was from the very first idea. It was already that a child hatches a double ganger out of an egg. First, it was actually a boy, and I wanted to change the lead character into a girl. But the double ah. ganger idea was there from the very early on. Interesting that it's ch changing it, though, from a boy to a girl, because I think it brings yeah. in a lot of other stuff. And the, the ballet, particularly, yeah. all this restrictive societal stuff. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's how you felt as well. And for me... It was from my very first meeting since uh, Ilya Rautja, screenwriter, had only this um, 
one sentence idea in his mind and it was about a boy. And I just felt that I have seen far too few interesting films about stories of girls and women. So I really wanted to change the lead character into a girl. And when we did that, the whole story really started to make sense to us because I think these expectations for girls to be perfect and always do a little bit more in order to be accepted in our society is something that I think relates to even more for girls than boys. Oh, and, and the mother, the character of the yeah, mother has yeah, her own exactly. arc too. And that, that yeah. dynamic, it's so familiar. I mean, I'm a male, but like, it's such yeah. a familiar, you see that it play out so many times in so many ways, wanting yeah. to please. And on some level, the mother also feels like a victim, right? Yeah, she's some, yeah. suffering from something too. She's not just a villain. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel as well. And I kind of, uh, even though she's so horrible, but I, I kind of feel sorry for her because I think she also desperately tries to please the whole world, maybe. And and by that, by doing that, tries to desperately find some happiness. And I think that is quite sad. And yeah, and I mean, talking about themes is is really interesting. There's so much there. And I think it's part of what makes, makes this movie work and stand out. But as a first-time feature filmmaker, embarking on something that's high concept and challenging, was it difficult to get? I mean, it's so precise. It feels like it must have been extremely hard to execute this. What kind of struggles and challenges did you face being, you know, it being the first feature? Well, of course, it took a long time to get the financing in place. And then, of course, when there is this creature and I really, I wanted it to be a puppet and I wanted the best people to make this puppet. So then I Googled who is the best animatronic designer in the world. And then I found Gustav Hergen and he has been the lead animatronic designer in Star Wars and Jurassic World and Prometheus. So so it was such, I contacted him and it was such a joy to get him uh, to do the puppet because he has always been my idol. I mean, the, the creatures that he has done has been my kind of iconic creatures that I have watched in films. And so it was so great to get him and also to get our special effect makeup designer, Connor Sullivan on board, who has, who is two time Oscar nominated and has done uh, Game of Thrones and The Dark Knight and and their wonderful team of puppeteers coming on board. And they have also done all Star Wars films. And, and yeah. so for me, it was kind of, uh, it was basically me emailing them and telling that, hello, I'm Hannah from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I have a film. Can you make a puppet? This is a good story, but very low budget. <laughs> and, and so our concept designs of the creature and got excited and coming on board. And that really taught me a lesson to just, you know, contact your idols. And uh, because mm. they, were, they were so nice and so professional and all this puppet and special effect makeup team were so pros. They were the best in the industry. And they were also super nice because I think they had learned that, you know, you want to work with nice people. So it's, you know, so, and we all just want to make great films together. So yeah, so just contact great, idols. <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's a great, uh, there's a lot of great lessons in that, but I want to highlight the emailing. How did you <laughs> How did you get their email addresses or did you just do some research or did you work with your producers to say like, these are the guys or the folks that I want to contact? 
Uh, no, it was basically, uh, for example, about Gustav. I just found his name in the internet and then I checked <laughs> that, oh, what he has done. And oh, he has done great stuff. And I found the page of his company and then there was email address. <laughs> and so, so I kind wow. of, uh, yeah, I catched it from there. And Connor's email address, yeah, that was also, I could find it, uh, his company's address and that's amazing. I, I love you had concept designs you could show people and yeah. get them excited about it. I imagine they were kind of excited because it is a good script and story. Yeah. And it is a practical creature and the creature is featured kind of in the way that that films used to and in, in another era where much as people love a lot of these movies now, there's so many visual creatures and things happening. It's kind of busy. In your story, there's this contrast that really makes yeah. it stand out. You created one amazing effect thing and the rest yeah. of the world is designed to let that thing shine. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what Gustav then later on told that what got him so interested was that he had just finished the latest Star Wars film and he was kind of <laughs> wanting to kind of uh, make build his own company and have a work where his kind of work would really stand out. And this is really, in, in our film, the, the creature is one of the main characters. And, and like you said, it's really kind of highlighted in the film. So he really thought that this is such a great kind of uh, opportunity for him to really kind of... It's a showcase. His, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah and, yeah. and in Star Wars, Star Wars is great, but there's creatures everywhere. Everywhere yeah, exactly. you look. <laughs> exactly. So it's exactly. not like you can't make so one special on. creature that, that shines. <laughs> exactly. That yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and, uh, and I mean, I have to say all the teams of Connors and uh, Gustav and all those puppeteers, they were so pros. And I just admired their craftsmanship and skills. And it's so it was so wonderful to watch their work and work with them. Yeah, I, I would imagine also that that energy then, both your respect but also all of you, the way you're working together and, and highlighting and honoring each other's craft makes the general experience more positive. Yes, I, I hope so. And, and I, yeah, I think so myself. And I think it was that uh, Gustav and the puppeteers said that, that whoa, they were so uh, pleased that our shootings were so well planned because sometimes in the bigger budget films, you know, well, maybe you have so much money that that you don't need to plan everything so precisely. But we had so tight budget that we really needed to plan everything, kind of every shot, and we storyboard it and so on. So, and that also kind of uh, highlighted their work because we really discussed with them that uh, okay, let's rehearse with the puppet and find out what the puppet can do, and uh, and let's plan the schedule so that you can really puppeteer it well and so on. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I mean, it also reminds me of Jaws, another one that's popping into my yes, head, but like yeah. where, where they really build it around around the one thing. And and I think when you don't have you can't rely, you've made a choice to go practical, you can't rely on the digital world yeah. to rescue you if things get a exactly. little you know, like if things aren't <laughs> yeah. working, you're like, well, we'll reanimate it or you really had to plan it. I think exactly. that, that shows in your in the precision of how you shot it. Uh what did you guys shoot on camera wise? Uh, yeah, we had Ari Alexa that we shot it with. And that, yeah, that's like one of the cameras everybody wants to use, certainly. Was it tough to light 
and do everything with the creature? Did it change any of your technical needs on set? Or was it just like any other, another human being? Yeah, it, it, uh, one thing was that uh, since there were puppeteers all around it and we had to erase them in post, we had wonderful VFX company, U Media from Belgium, that did all the these VFX, raising the puppeteers and so on. So some things we did, for example, we for some, some shots were lighter than they might have been with the actors and then we made it a little bit darker in post. So those kind of things we did. But overall... The whole film being light was uh, already our kind of artistic right. choice. So, yes. so yeah, it kind of fits to this whole artistic idea. Yeah, it fed into it. You know, last question, because I know we're running out of time. When you did pre-visualization and storyboarding, did you do any other lookbook or mood board or those kinds of things to create this world? Because it is so visually specific. Yeah, I had uh, many different mood boards for the whole visual style and then just for the production designer and costume designer and kind of to explain every everybody what I want to this world to be and, and to start our kind of uh, teamwork and their kind of creative process as well. So yeah, I had many mood boards. So we did have uh, storyboards for the puppet scenes and these special effect scenes and then I had mood boards and of course shortlist and so on. So it was all, yeah, it was all very well and carefully planned. Well, it definitely shows. You can tell it's a very well done film and congratulations on it. And we wish you the success. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Hannah, for coming on the No Film School podcast. As always, like, rate, and subscribe. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram and YouTube. And be sure to head over to nofilmschool.com where we write about all things filmmaking, educational, technological, newsy, whatever you want. Typically, it's there. Maybe there's even some stuff you don't want. If you feel that way or if you have questions or if there's things you want that we don't cover, email us at editor at nofilmschool.com. We love to get your questions. We love to answer them on air on our weekly episode, which drops on Thursdays every week. Thanks so much for listening and have a good week.